Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey guys, this episode of the Wingman Podcast is brought to you by High Mountain Seasonings. The folks down at High Mountain Seasonings in Riverton, Wyoming have had my business since before I started working at Eastman's and way before Wingman was even an idea in my head. Um, I've been making homemade jerky and sausage and you name it, snack and sticks with their kits for a really, really long time. Uh, having the pleasure a couple years ago to go down and f- take a factory tour and film that and do a duck hunt with the, with one of the guys from the company, Brian Tucker, was a, was a pleasure. It, they have such a cool operation down there in Riverton, Wyoming. And to think that their product from little old Riverton spreads out all over the country and into Canada is mind-blowing. I know they do business internationally as well, but it's it's incredible to me. I can go in so many different places from the local grocery store to any of the big box sporting goods stores and find that product. I can go in, I can grab a box, I can take it home, and I can, within 48 hours or 72 hours, I can have some of the best goose jerky known to man. I, I can put that on a plate, and you wouldn't know it's goose. I mean, a lot of guys be like, wow, this is amazing venison jerky. And it's like, hey, thanks, thanks. Yeah, you're, you're eating goose. Like, what? This is goose? Thank you, High Mountain Seasonings. It's not just jerky kits, though, that those guys do. They have a whole ton of products. So I would recommend that you go over to highmountainjerky.com and check out the full assortment of products that they've got down there in Riverton, Wyoming. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Wingmen Podcast. And I'm not a math guy or a numbers guy for that matter, so I've lost count about which episode this is. But it's in the description. Check it out. With me here today is the one and only legendary Brandon Mason. And I paid him to say that, yeah. of course. Well, we do what we do. So, Brando is very important to what we do here at Wingmen and at Eastman's. He's the reason behind being able to make some money <laughs> at this thing. <laughs> What's your official title, Brando? Oh, I think other than cuss words, the last thing that Ike called me was uh, VP of Sales and Marketing. Ah, VP. Sounds uh, official <laughs> and important. <laughs> if it sounds that way, it's because it probably is that yep. way. So anyway, that's that's what you do, but... The reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is you and I are embarking on an adventure to Canada. Yeah. Mike and I talked about it a little bit yesterday, but it's one of those things that w- comes up in the world we swim in, and it doesn't happen often. But every now and then, the stars align, and you get an opportunity to do something that you've always wanted to do. Yep. And it's like, hey, do you want to go to Canada and hunt waterfowl and bears yeah, it's one of those things where you're like is this a trick question yeah. <laughs> is it is that a, is that a thing is that a combo hunt that yeah it's that people like, do <laughs> like steak and shrimp are you what's bad about i can that? have both yeah okay it's like you put bacon and ice cream together there's nothing that those two things don't make better <laughs> you know what I mean? so no. anyway we got hooked up with this through a connection of ours in the industry um someone that we're working very closely with you, pr- you know more about that than I do. Why don't mm-hmm. you explain how this goes, and then we can get into the details about what we're expecting up there, kind of our game planning, and finally everything that we had to do to pull this off. Yeah, it's <clears throat> since I've been at Eastman's for a little over 12 years, and like you said, the stars align once in a while on these unique trips that maybe you didn't plan for for years or or maybe you dreamt about certain portions of it, but not the way that the stars align is kind of weird. And I've been fortunate to go to, man, I think I've been, this will be the fourth or fifth time in recent years on these quote unquote weird Canadian trips. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just can't get enough of it. I mean, we'll get into the logistics and the challenges and getting across that border and firearms transports and and, uh, transport and getting them back into the country. And, 
I hate that part of it, honestly. Some guys like that's part of the adventure. Oh, man, my flight got delayed by two days, and oh, that's all where I was part of the adventure. I hate that stuff. It stresses me <laughs> out. But I love it when I'm up there, and then just every time I've been up there, even and I wasn't, I haven't always been successful necessarily coming home or something, but it's just the memories and the, the unique country and habitat and the the cultures are different have been different provinces it's like it's a whole other country yeah weird yeah, it's <laughs> like it's a whole other country i know and uh so we're going to, to <coughs> northern alberta right this time and uh yeah so a, a friend of ours friend of the eastmans especially they've known him for before i was here uh michael deming with uh pro membership sweepstakes he started that here a few years ago and he has a very small number of members and it's a premium membership, but he gives away a ton of epic trips like this yeah. constantly. It's not like you have to wait for the draw results in June or like we do here in Wyoming yeah, or wherever exactly. else. It's all year long he's drawing for trips. And this isn't meant to be a, a sales plug for him. It's just cool how it comes up. And anyway, one of his trips, it's a long story, but it um, he had already had this booked with the outfitter, paid for like two years ago, and things didn't work out for whatever reason with the guy that won it. And, uh, and then we do more and more and more with him all the time. And, and it was a last minute deal. He's got to, you know, send some hunters out there and he's like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Mm -hmm. And you and I were like, well, we didn't, I mean, we <coughs> drew some tags this year, but not a lot. And, and a lot of our stuff is later, like your deer tags later. Right, right. And, uh, so we're like, uh, yeah, I'll go. And, and then this past spring, I got the bear hunting bug big time. I mean, I never really hunted black bears too much before this year. I mean, incidental contacts and stuff like that. And this last, I don't know, 24 to, yeah, 24 months probably. I'm like, I don't know. I think I want to get into bear hunting in the spring. And usually I don't do much of that because I'm turkey hunting and we're mm -hmm. doing other things for wingmen. And right. I, I love right. turkey hunting in the spring. And then on top of that, Mike Deming, you know, lined this whole thing up. He said, have you ever hunted waterfowl up in Canada? Telling me how crazy good it is i'm like well i'm originally from north dakota i'm like i know what good waterfowl hunting right. is i mean it's pretty epic there too at exactly. times and he goes i said I, I i know good waterfowl hunting he goes no you don't <laughs> not compared to this so i i can't wait to see what it's going to be like and then on top of that my 17 year old son gets to come with me the I camera know. guy i know on an epic adventure you know so it's it's going to be cool. I can't wait till, you know, hopefully Saturday we get across that mm. border with no issues. and Yeah, God willing. Yeah. Absolutely. North, yeah. north we go. It was one of those things that for me, we're sitting here at the board table talking about hunt plans for the fall and going over what, what tags everybody has and making plans. And, of course, this, the wingman stuff is always it, it tends to be after the big game. That's when our right. good waterfowl and our good upland hunting Especially occurs Especially where we here. live, yeah. Yeah. It just kind of naturally falls after big game. Mm -hmm. And so that's been the natural progression for what we've done this whole time. And to have Ike bring this up that, hey, this is an opportunity for wingmen and beyond the grid. The bear, the bear portion will be for beyond the grid, but we get to collaborate. Yep. <clears throat> under that Eastman's Hunting Journal's umbrella that uh you guys you guys interested in this is it something that wingman is interested in that want, wants to go and i'm sitting over there like is he talking to me because <laughs> yeah i want to go and there yeah. are i'm with you when it comes to the the logistics there's a certain amount of adventure but i man i find like type two fun <laughs> in adventurous situations like piloting a canoe down whitewater rapids kind of thing mm -hmm. or you know finding just that type of stuff the the travel aspect of a 20-hour drive and the rigmarole and hoops at the border that yep. type of stuff isn't the adventure to me right yeah me either <clears throat> I, know, I know ike says often that part of the reason why he's loved hunting in crazy places over his lifetime you know out of this country out of this continent even at times He's like, I was telling him, I, I hate that stuff. He's like, oh man, that's that's part of the adventure. That's what that's that's half the hunt to me. I'm like, man, not me. I mm. I love it when I get there. Right. I I absolutely love that. But I I do not. In fact, even coming back sometimes. I mean, I thought um, Damp Car and I went to uh, British Columbia a few years ago to hunt moose, 
And on our way back in, of course, we're coming back to our country, the United States of America. I'm thinking, well, basically like going through the McDonald's drive-thru. Like, no. hey, boys, yeah, we're, no, we're back. No, and no. it was harder for us to get back in, partially because I didn't know of a certain form for my firearm that oh. I needed. That was a good day. And, and, and just how we got drilled by the the you know the border patrol which you know it's their job that's why we get to live in a safe country is because right. they do that yeah. but when you're in the middle of it, it you kind of wonder why it's necessary and i was they threatened to throw me in prison and everything else i'm like i didn't know i needed this form <laughs> i was it's ignorant i know i should have known this but I, I swear i didn't know yeah and uh thankfully they let me they did a background check let me through and everything but if I'd had a, anything on my record, we would have not been coming home that night. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's definitely something <clears throat> you want to have your you know, your eyes dotted and your T's crossed for this. Right? I mean, we've been laying out the planning phase for a month now, month and a half, and just getting everything dialed to the point where, God willing, when we get up there, when we get to the border, it'll do. We just go. And across, and it'll, yep. and it'll be no problem because we'll have we will have done the due diligence and we'll have everything squared away. Honestly, the drive I'm looking forward to. Yeah, me too. Because it's a part of the world I've never driven through. Uh, you know, I, I grew up way up north in the Great Lakes, and we were in Canada all the time, but it was Ontario. Mm-hmm. And the the western provinces are they're a totally different animal. And then we're going so far north in yeah. Alberta that it's like we're not just in a western province; we're in a northern part of a western province and peace the peace river ever yep. any waterfowler i i would i'd venture a guess that just about anybody listening to this podcast hears the term peace river and they know exactly what we're headed for yeah whether it's waterfowl or on the bear side of things yes um i've talked to so many people that are just hardcore hunters and you know oh what are you doing this fall what'd you draw where'd you go and then this came up you know, the last few weeks and, and we're like, uh, uh, yeah, this is what we're going up to do. And it, it doesn't matter which thing is their thing. They're like, are you, are you serious? Yeah. Can I go with? Yeah, I know. Like, it's everybody says the same thing, dude, really? Yeah. And there's same a reaction. lot of, there's a lot of things that I'm stoked about. Obviously the hunt itself is, is going to be amazing, but this, these new savage renegades I haven't got to really to do much. I've shot some clays with it. I shot a turkey, shot my gobbler last yep. year with it. But I haven't really put it through its paces on a, on a waterfowl hunt or in the field yep. to the extent that I feel like, <clears throat> yeah, I've really, I've really let this horse run. I'm stoked because I, I love the way this gun functions and fits and feels so far. Mm-hmm. And I am stoked to get it in a blind in Canada and start running some federal premium through it. Well, and the action on it's so fast. I mean, there's yes. some guns that, you know, they perform well under optimal conditions or maybe they're legendary brands that, you know, that they perform well. But, uh, you know, and I'll be the first to admit I'm not a semi-auto expert. I've always been kind of a pump or brake action guy, but I've been obviously the last few years here I've been shooting more semi-autos. And for the ones that I've shot, it's the way that it cycles and, and how it manages the recoil. I mean, I can take this 12 gauge out and have, I know it depends on the load and everything, but when we were preparing for turkey season with my kids, I've got a, a at that time, 12 year old daughter, she's 13 now, who uh, was a little nervous to have her <laughs> shoot that. And we were having her shoot a 20 gauge over and under that kicked way more oh, yeah. than this thing did. Oh, especially with turkey loads. Yeah. yeah and, and this thing was just, I mean, the recoil's totally manageable. It cycles really well. Mm-hmm. And there's no jamming issues. I haven't had one yet. And uh, so, yeah, we're heading up north with two of those Renegades, which is, I remember when Savage came out with those a couple mm-hmm. years ago, and we were like, of course, we've been shooting Savage. On, on the, the Eastman uh, side of things. Yeah, on the big game side of things for since like ah, 2008, yeah, something like that, a long time. And um, <clears throat> when they came out with, I mean, they've had the Stevens line of shotguns and all that, but the the a Savage kind of with some of the same features on their 110 rifles with adjustability mm-hmm. and, and, and custom fitting a shotgun to you. Um, we were like, huh, that's interesting. They come out with shotguns, didn't think much of it. Then we got to see my shot show that year. And then, of course, mm-hmm. now we're testing them and using them in the field. And uh, I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm me impressed. too. Me too. Like Like I said, I haven't. This particular gun, I've got 
maybe three or four boxes mm-hmm. target loads through it just playing and i've flawless i have not cleaned it i'm gonna clean it before i go to canada but i did i haven't cleaned it because i'm like i want to see how many rounds of like federal top gun for example the target load that i can put through this thing before yeah before or if it even malfunctions and i have no malfunctions with it at all yeah and it's still like you said still flinging empties 10 15 feet away and yeah and that's not an exaggeration i measured it this spring because of the first couple rounds I, it, it shocked me so much how how powerful those were ejecting. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, it was yep. impressive. If it if it does half as well as it has so far for me uh, and performs the, the way I think it's going to in Canada, we're going to be super pleased. Yeah, so. which and we're going to find out because from what I've heard, uh, the birds are plentiful. Yep, and limits are quick to come. Yep, and it's going to be hit them. Yep, and it's absolutely. five days of that hopefully. I know, and uh, it's, it's going to be good. I'm chomping at the bit. It's one of those things. So, we talked about logistics getting into Canada. There's, there's, there's things that we had to do. Of course, passports. Um, just there was an app we had to download. Arrive Canada, arrive Can, arrive Canada. There's some other things we had to do. And I guess the point of what I'm getting at is Kyler, our outfitter, mm-hmm. was instrumental in helping us yep. with all of this. He gave us links. He walked us through processes. He did all these different things to make it easy for us. Mm-hmm. And I haven't done a ton of outfitted hunts, but the ones that I have done, and this is one of the reasons I'm stoked to go up there, the ones that I have done, when there's communication leading up to the hunt with the outfitter himself or representative thereof, and they're <clears throat> walking you through things and making sure that they are setting you up for success yep. before you ever get there, that's a good sign. And I didn't even tell you this. Uh, today, on my lunch break, I got a message from him on his Zolio device because he is in Muskox camp right now. <laughs> Muskox and, camp. And was just checking in on us, see if we're good to go. You guys still good to go to arrive this day? Hey, just so you know, in case I'm late because of weather, this is the guy that will take care of you, but I'll be there no later than whatever day. But he's still planning on, you know, meeting us up there when we first get in and, and – and yeah, I was going to show you those messages. I'll bring them up, but um, but yeah, they're you know Wingmaster Outfitting is what he's called, and it's top notch uh, <coughs> black bear. I mean, like four hundred pound black bear plus. Um, obviously, not every one, right, but there's a right. real poten- real potential for that. Epic waterfowl hunting, muskox, moose. He kind of does mean, it all. He does a lot of stuff, and, and he he's a he, he like like Deming told me he he's he's hungry. He's a good businessman he's a good outfitter he's passionate about the outdoors you look at his social media feeds like his instagram feed just kyler nelson yep and it's nelson with a k starts with a k and he just kind of exudes professionalism yeah and it's like wow but the fact that he is in a remote location with a zolio device which if you guys don't know what a zolio device is it's kind of like an inreach or um it's a satellite device that hooks up through your phone that you can send messages to to people and the fact that he's taking the time out of his hunt day in a muskox camp in far (laughs) in the far north arctic of canada to message the two of us about yeah a waterfowl hunt that's him and it's not just like two words he's writing paragraphs to me to make sure that we're good to go that's incredible yeah so anyway testament to him my point with that though testament to kyler absolutely and wingmaster outfitting but if you're if you're looking for an outfitter and they're not willing to answer your questions they're not willing to go that to to be in communication like this they may not they may not be all they're cracked up to be and and not everybody's super tech savvy and i mean you gotta you gotta give people the benefit of the doubt but if you feel like you're being like things aren't being transparent or you're being Maybe not full disclosure on things, what to expect. You can't get a hold of them for months at a time. That's an issue. Yeah, and you're going to, I mean, <clears throat> your potential hunting future is a little bit in their hands. Absolutely. I mean, some of it's buyer beware and all that, and you got to do your homework. But there's some times where you're like, we're going to a different country. We don't. I mean, yeah, we're going to try and know all the rules we can. That's part right. of our job. But, but we're, but we're also, de- yeah, we're depending on him and, you know, 
the licensing aspect, the transport aspect, you know, properly tagging an animal. If there's any uh, disease issues in an area that you have, like I was in hunting in Alberta a number of years ago for uh, mule deer, and it was in a CWD hotspot. Mm. Tons of CWD regulations that I had no clue when I went up there. And, you know, thank God for the outfitter because he did. Right. And he, we had all the right paperwork to get back across the border because that's the other thing. you got to check all that stuff when you're coming back across. And it's not just about the firearms. It's what are you bringing back in the United States because there's a potential for, you know, poaching and stuff to get through the border and illegal selling of animal parts and and disease transmission to our animals down here there's a you know those border patrol agents we all you know give them a hard time but they, you know they they kind of watch for a lot yeah. of things yeah that's a tough job yeah. <clears throat> there's no doubt about that i don't care if it's the the southern border or the northern border there's a lot that goes on there's there's a lot of shady stuff and and i mean we could talk about that for days and days but I'm just super stoked about going on this hunt. And as you and I were sitting down, to be able to make this happen from a work perspective, the amount of work that you and I have to tackle and get out in front of to be gone for a week and a half for this hunt is monumental. This yep. is our busy time of year. Guys, are Dampacar and Brian Barney are already in the field bow hunting. Yep. Um, when we get back, the guys are going to be with hunt winners doing elk hunts and different things like that. And it's insane. Eastman's mm-hmm. this time of year, everybody just goes a million different directions. Plus we have magazine deadlines <clears throat> hitting in the same time frame, And yes. we've got our day-to-day social media and videos that yes. have to get out that are either contractor or just cool things we want to put out. Right. It's just a treadmill. And, yes. you know, every job has that to a certain point. So right. it's not like we're that unique. But, but in the media world that we live in, um, it's fast and furious all the time. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's breakneck speed and we're dealing with some new proofers on staff that we're, you know, you're hoping to, that they're going to do good when we're gone. Cause the magazine goes to print when we're up in I've Canada. Been, I've been leaning on you for some motivation on that one. Yeah. <laughs> kind of put the spurs to the old horse and make him, make him gallop. Yeah. I have a new proofer for the, for my a new copy editor and it's Brandon's dad. Yep. And so we've been <clears throat> we've been getting a laugh out of that, bringing the old horse out of the barn and making him plow again. Yeah, he's he's been in retirement, and he's not the the thing that we've always kind of teased him about is he's such an English grammar and punctuation Nazi, and that's what I was raised with. And I felt like the kid on A River Runs Through It, you know, Tom Scarrett, the dad's homeschooling him again. Yeah, yeah, he marks <laughs> again, it up half as long, and of course. <laughs> You know, kids nowadays, they can just go back, even though editing maybe is annoying, but you just go on the computer and quick make those changes where you had to rewrite everything. And I remember, I mean, he did this with everything, but I remember specifically one science report I had to do in middle school. And I think it had to be like a page and a half, which to a middle schooler is like writing a book. That's brutal. And I got all done and I thought my penmanship was good and everything. and, And I handed it to him. I'm all proud. And, and, uh, he takes it red pen i mean just hammers that thing you know i'm 12 years old or whatever it was he's like start over i'm like <laughs> so you had to rewrite that whole thing because i mean yeah computers were just kind of coming into what we now know them as but they weren't there yet and and even if they were we weren't allowed to use them in school and uh yeah it was that's the upbringing i had and the funny thing is so my dad's got a college degree and everything, but it's not in that. Mm-hmm. It's in accounting. And before that, he was a oil field guy. And before that, he's a railroad guy. And then he was raised, my grandfather owned a full-service gas station. He didn't go to school past the age of 15. But my grandfather's now 96, almost 97. He'll, be oh. 90, he'll turn 97 the day that we leave camp up there, actually. And uh, born in 1925. And... Again, didn't go to school past the age of 15, but he has unsubscribed from papers and and uh, uh, magazines because of the typos he saw were too <laughs> glaring. He couldn't handle it. He's like, I can't subscribe to this rag. That's that, for some reason, our family's brain, I guess, works that way. Just works in language. And has no tolerance for crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, an error here and there is one thing. but Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been good so far, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it, just like anybody, like you said. 
at the end of the day, we're working stiffs like everybody else. You know, we still have lots of responsibilities in our jobs, in our daily lives, with our families. And we've got, there's a lot that goes into to a hunt like this where we're going to be a long ways from home for a yep. long amount, a long period of time. And man, you guys that have it figured out, like, man, I think, I think about Ramsey Russell. <laughs> that dude loads up his stuff and he's gone for most of the year <laughs> just hunting birds hunting mm-hmm. ducks you know and he's in i think he's in africa right now hmm. kind of keep up with him on social media and it's fascinating every now and then i'll get a message from him you know and it's like <clears throat> oh yeah i had a good time in africa look like oh yeah, yeah the egyptian pygmy geese were on fire you know and it's just like <laughs> holy smokes <laughs> most of us aren't doing that you right. know um so yeah it ever you it's just the amount of prep work, the amount of preparation that goes into something like this. I don't care if you're an editor like me or a sales guy like you or you're digging ditches or you're building houses or, you know, you're a teacher. Of course, teachers aren't getting away this time of year. I, I know all about that. <laughs> but there's work that goes into it, <clears throat> and it can be daunting, and it's one of those things that I found myself just today. I kind of the realization of what we're about to do on Saturday kind of hit me, and I went, "Wow!" Yeah. And I look at my checklist, and I'm like, "Dude, I've only got like two things left, mm-hmm. and then I'm free and clear." <laughs> and that little kid, you know, excitedness comes out, and I'm yeah. like, "It's go time!" Yeah, we feel like we're going into deer camp in November in right. the UP or in North right. Dakota, where we were both raised, and it's like okay, it's here. Like, it's almost like studying for a final in college and you're working towards it, working towards it, working towards it. You finally get to a point where you're like, well, let's do this. I'm either ready or I'm not. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> now, like you said, the checklist is getting shorter. Things at home are good. Things at work are good. And we've been, you know, dealing with all of our paperwork. We got to get ready. And now it's like, I'm not gonna be able to sleep for the next two nights. No. Yeah. I can't wait. No, it's, it's going to be one of those things where, and, and I think my dogs can tell. <laughs> I know Mackinac can tell. He's like, because you're leaving me, aren't you? Yeah. He's, he's, it's funny because I've been out in the garage before bed, kind of puttering a little bit here and there, just kind of, and I got, I got the calls out the other night <laughs> and ripped through a couple sequences and he was standing right there looking at me. Of course, my young dog, Hondo, is like, he's clueless. He doesn't he doesn't know what's going yeah. on yet, but he will. After this year, he will, that's for But sure. Mackinac's like dialed in like, it's that time of year. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Yep. And I'm not going to tell him that I'm not taking him. I'm just going <laughs> to walk away. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is go time. And then we get home, and it's full bore balls to the wall. Big game. Yep. Until November, and I think that's one of the things that I love the most about about working at Eastman's and and in through Wingmen is man, I get to do two things that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. I get to talk about hunting all the time, read about it all the time. I get to do every now and then they let me out of the castle or out of the cage and <clears throat> go do something fun, which is really cool. But I've got some, I've got some big plans for the fall with Hondo and with family and different things. I want, but I want to hear what your plans are for when we get back from Canada. What are you looking at this fall? It's kind of, it, starting with this trip up north and what I have left, it's a weird fall for me, honestly. And it, it's good, but it's just different. So my, as you know, I'm a mule deer fanatic, right? Yeah. I love mule deer. I like hunting elk. I like hunting <clears throat> antelope and obviously birds and everything. Um, and I... I had some plans to go into the famous region G in Southwest Wyoming and, uh, that we, I don't go into every year, but you know, it's been a few years in a row and off and on here and there, but, um, doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. And the reason for that is because of another, for lack of better terms, weird opportunity that I drew is, you know, the antelope take I drew is. It's nothing you're generally going to brag about drawing. Right. It's an okay take. It's not great. It's not terrible. Um, I've hunted the unit years ago. In fact, 10 years ago this year. 
I didn't I didn't realize that till just now. But we're uh, we're we're friends of the people at the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership TRCP, and um, they approached us, man, months and months ago because we've had. We've done a lot of cool documentaries. In fact, our big sage grouse one is debuting this weekend, the short version. Yep, the short version. And then longer after the first of the year. But um, that's an epic project of massive proportions because of what has gone into it. A bunch of us, you know, we're kind of thinking, you know, you, Ike, me, like, man, what if we took our migration mule deer film and sort of did that with sage grouse because of how many different things that that affects anyway so that's debuting two years in the making it has and um because of our successes or doing a good job on those i guess um trcp approached us that they they actually had a film that they wanted to do that they want to do it's it's their project but they hired us usually we have an idea we have a project and we we do it it. yeah and it was them coming to us saying man we love what you guys are doing on the conservation side of things and can we hire you as a production company to produce this documentary that we need to have done? Cause we can't think of a better partner to do it. And it's dealing with access issues in, in, well, really across the country, but predominantly out West in right. Wyoming and in States like Wyoming and talking about, um, you know, easements that are really largely unknown to the general public and even to the agencies that manage them because they've been, stuffed away in a file cabinet, never digitized. And there's federal funding behind um, a bill called the Mapland Act, mm-hmm. and it got passed. And um, so now we're doing a project with them that's going to come out um, probably after the first of the year also. We're in the process of doing interviews and filming of that. Anyway, my antelope hunt is the hunt that's going to tell that story. And so I went from just knowing the guys at TRCP and kind of, yeah, yeah, you know, right. approaching or pitching our team on what they want us to do. What do you guys think? Should we do this? To just because of what I drew and nobody else did and whatever that um, it's my antelope hunt that's on this one. And so it's an access nightmare in this unit to get to public lands. And um, I know, you know, there's going to be some things I'm going to learn again. I've hunted it before, but it's, you're always learning something obviously. And, and I'm excited. It's unique. It's going to take up, a lot more time than I expected it to mm-hmm. because of how we're really trying to do a good job telling this story. Yeah. And, uh, but it's exciting, you know, Lindsay and, and me and TRCP and we're, we've been on conference calls with the BLM and we're going up to Missoula to interview BLM Forest Service and we're going down to Casper, Wyoming. And we're, I mean, we're interviewing game and fish department personnel and access programs and, and yeah, so that's, that's going to be a big push in my fall is that one antelope tag. And then uh, trying to get my kids out for general hunting licenses, of course, because they didn't draw anything. And uh, and then a, a late season cow elk tag. I've you know hunted elk in Wyoming a bunch, um, but I've never had just a cow tag. Oh so, really? Yeah, never. <coughs> so this is my first late season cow tag. Uh, didn't draw anything, uh, you know, to to chase with antlers, but that's okay. I'm excited for the meat and and yes, we'll do that in December. And I've got some. Montana antlerless permits that we're going to try and film or not film, but fill in, uh, November and, uh, friends that drew some licenses in in South Dakota that I'm going to try and tag along with if the schedule allows. And Mm -hmm. so it's going to be busy still, even though I didn't really draw much, but so there's this (coughs) crazy Canada trip and the, the unique antelope hunt. And then, yeah, just, it's going to be more of a shotgun approach really to the fall. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun. That that's one of the cool things about, you know, <clears throat> we're blessed to live in Wyoming, as are a lot of people that live in cool places like the West, the mm-hmm. Western states. You know, the, a lot of places in the Midwest. There's a lot to do. There, it's it's like it's not like you just wait for the ducks to get here. Right. There's a lot to do in the meantime. You know, I was talking. I was visiting with my brother last night because he's got a Montana elk tag and a deer tag, and he we were talking about hunts coming up and. <clears throat> he was asking me about my fall plans and I kind of did the same thing you did kind of rattled through this list and he's uh, he kind of stopped and didn't really say much and he goes man who'd ever thought when we were kids that you'd rattle off a list of hunts that you're gonna do this fall that anybody else at that time in our lives that's like a decade of their life right that it would take right. them to do that 
you know, where I remember you and I were sitting on the tailgate of, the, of a truck with, after a successful antelope hunt, and we're sitting there just talking, and I go, you realize that people from other parts of the country or other parts of the world literally spend years planning and thousands of dollars to come out here and do this, you know, fire up the Onyx app and mm-hmm. find a piece of public ground and, you know, and go get after it. Yeah. And it's, it's a life, it's a life goal. It's a bucket list. And we do, I'm in the same boat. I've got an antelope tag. That's kind of ho-hum mm-hmm. because we live here and I'm like, man, eh, it was a second choice, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I wasn't even really going to plan on hunting it. And then buddy called and he's like, yeah, come on over. Come on. It'd be fun. So it's like, okay. And I got cow elk tags. I got doe antelope tags. I've got a smoking mule deer tag. Yeah, late, like late season mule deer tag. One of the hardest tags to draw <laughs> in the state. Yeah, I got yeah. I don't know how I pulled that off, but just <laughs> lucky. And then I still get to I still get to hunt general elk. Yep. It's like it's not just what you're gonna hunt, it's making the time to do all of those things and do them well. Yep. You know, I, I'm stoked to take the family out this year and do some hunts with them. It's kind of a highlight of our year is always, you know, bundle the kids up in whatever extra sifty gear I've got laying around so they stay warm, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, and go to the duck blind or go on a go on a deer hunt or whatever. And my my kids are young. I'm several years behind you family wise. And some of the stuff that we've had to do over recently, it's like if I'm gonna get them out, I gotta take them to the duck blind. Because mm-hmm. it's doable. Or I'm gonna go sit in a deer stand with all with the whole family. Well, plus now you have that <clears throat> sick wall tent set up yeah. that you're gonna be testing out. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's gonna be sweet. Yeah, it's just one of those things, man. Where fall I, fall in the West rolls around, and I, it's an embarrassment of riches. You mm-hmm. know, it really is. It's like grab all your stuff, load it up, and. You could literally just take. In fact, I know guys that are like contractors, and they just disappear in the fall. Mm-hmm. Work hard like, all year. They work, just their hard, they work their butt off all year round, and they're gone September, October, and most of and like you don't see them until Thanksgiving. Yep. And they have this, you know, cooler full of meat and horns on the wall, and a pile full of memories, and it's like, dude, yeah, way to order your life. Yep. You know, there's it's and and I and I get to see that too. On the waterfowl side of things, on the bird hunting side, there's guys that do the same thing. They bust their butt all year long, and then they figured out a way to order their life that when duck season arrives, yep. they're hunting. That's all they and, and And they, they may be working. Like Wade Shoemaker, for example. <clears throat> Wade was in – Wade. we've been fortunate enough to be friends with Wade for a long time and had him on the podcast in the early days of the podcast, win early episodes, and super cool dude. But he's figured out a way to use duck hunting to help him make a living, you know. And it's not all he does, but, yeah. So he, so the whole season, he's looking forward to November, December, January, and part of February. And that's where he's out doing his thing. And there's he's not the only one. There's mm-hmm. a lot of guys that do that. Well, and the interesting <clears throat> thing is, too, you know, like we've obviously talked a lot about how you and I, we work here at Eastman's and Wingman. And our life is the outdoors. It, it has been that way since we were little. And now we get to collect a paycheck doing that in different ways. And on the surface, you know, people, you know, we get friends and family going, oh, you're, be you're, nice. you're living the dream, you know. Exactly. And like we said, no question we have a great job. I'm not yep. at all arguing that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still – you know, you have responsibilities Absolutely. and the paycheck is based on you fulfilling those responsibilities and we're on tight deadlines and we move at, you know, lightning speed and there's a, there's a yin and a yang. So years ago when, whether it was wingman hunts or big game hunts or whatever, um, my son, he's 17 now, you know, I reference he's coming to Canada with us. Um, but he was so involved in the filming part of things since he's been fairly young, probably 10 mm-hmm. and he came to me when he was probably 13 and after just right on the heels of this he's like that thanksgiving time kind of before waterfall really picked up and he said hey dad um do you think maybe we could ever 
do a hunt without the camera. It was like he just stabbed me in the heart. <laughs> I was like, oh, I made it too too intense for his age. Work. Yeah, work. And um, so, you know, I talked to Ike and I said, hey, man, my kids are coming into the money years for when they're preteen teenagers and you only get that little window with them. I'm going to have to get a little more selfish with my time. And he, I understand. He gets, he's got kids. He gets yep. it, right? And, uh, of course, he's grown up in this industry, so he really gets it. And uh, I, and so that next year, we hardly filmed anything. I don't think I asked Hunter to run a camera or to be on camera at all. And uh, at the end of the year, though, the thing that was interesting is he and I had gotten so used to that extra level of intensity that right. comes with it being part of your <coughs> job, we missed it. And so, but the good thing is we, we were able to get the break to realize that we missed it. And so now, even if it's not technically work-related, we have a camera with us all the time because we're preserving our, our memories. And, and now it's like we kind of geek out on the camera. We have fun doing it. And, and it's not really, it, even though now we're doing it again for work, it doesn't feel like that. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an interesting cycle. Cause at one point when I, you know, the first couple of years I was here at Eastman's and then I started doing a little bit of stuff on camera and, and, uh, the stress of it was, I didn't like it. Right. And, and I thought that I, oh man, I'm living the dream working at Eastman's and I'm going to, you know, be on a hunting video someday or on the outdoor channel or whatever at the time. And, and, uh, a couple of years into it, I, I almost asked to be taken off of that list because, I mean, we've experienced this with wingmen. I mean, wing shooting is a passion. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, you, Todd Helms, face a wingman. Crap, every time I got to go do this, it's tied to work. Yep. And, man, that kind of sucks. And so there's this ebb and flow to where uh, I just need some time with my family to go do this. And I think it's important to take those. There's a few hunts every year that I do, like back in North Dakota with my dad, that – other than maybe snapping a few fun cell phone photos or right. something, there's no cameras ever on those. Right. right. And that allows me to go back there and go, ah, okay. Yeah, that's right. I still love this. Exactly. And because one thing, no, on the flip side of that, one thing that I have noticed is that I love the intensity level uh -huh. that comes with it being part of our jobs. <clears throat> and I forget to turn that off when I'm on hunts with just friends and, or with my kids. Yep. And yelling at them to lock it in and yeah. stuff like that, which is expected when we're out in the field. Oh, man. But not, you know, not your 10-year-old. No. That's not cool. No. And, uh, Mike and I talked about this on the previous episode to this one. And how you have to be intentional with your kids on hunts. But at the same time, there's a – got to dial it back. Because mm -hmm. if they're not having fun, they're not going to want to go. Yeah. If they're <clears throat> miserable, if you're making it miserable, that's a problem. And you it's know? not just about being miserable because they're cold or whatever. No, no, that's not what I meant. I know, and I just <laughs> want to clarify that yeah. because you and I grew up when the gear was nowhere near as oh, good as it is now, man. and we were cold and miserable and wet and everything else, but we still loved it. Those are some of the memories we have. Yep. So it's making it miserable because of, I mean, all of us in this office, is at least the guys, we're type A, man. We're I'm gonna kill and drag it home, and if you get in my way, I'm gonna eat you for breakfast. And it can get it can get pretty interesting around here. Sometimes. Yeah, and you got a bunch of gorillas that are you know just get out of my way. I'm gonna do it my way. <coughs> and sometimes when we have people in the field that we're trying to, you know, develop that love for the outdoors and and being a part of conservation with hunting and everything, it, it's so easy to lose sight of that. Yeah, and because uh, we just we're just intense. That's the way it is. Yep. It's, it's funny. You talk about setting aside hunts and setting aside times without the camera. It never fails, never fails that for wingmen. <clears throat> when I don't have a camera guy lined out, when I don't have somebody there to help film, it's always stupid. Good. Yeah. I mean like birds in your face limited out in 15 minutes good and you're sitting at the restaurant going should have had a camera guy. <laughs> that the, it, it never fails and you've got to be okay with some of that too you know where i took i took my daughter jc on hunt with just the two of us last year it was early it was in october um 
season had just opened back up was a few birds around and I had hondo first kind of hunt no expectations let's go down she wanted to go i was like all right but you got to hold the dog put him on a leash that's her job and we killed we killed a couple birds you know it was it was good but it was a rainy crappy day we were home by like nine o'clock in the morning made a big hot breakfast you know i'm over there grinding up black rifle coffee and putting it in the dripper and i'm like oh man i need that <laughs> and she still talks about that yeah because it was cold it was wet it was miserable i had you know here's my here's my six-year-old at the time that weighs 40 pounds 45 pounds soaking wet and here i am at 250 pounds and basically six feet tall i can't like put a piece of sit my sit gear on her i'm gonna be like wrapping mm-hmm. her up in it you know and key so we did the best we could took her out there and, and we had fun she still talks about that she still talks about that so it's those moments you know i i have had the good fortune of hunting with you and your son hunter on multiple occasions yep and it's always it's always one of the things that i cherish I remember three years ago when he shot his first elk and I was fortunate enough to be there and help film and just help just be there. He shot that bull and I just had to like sit back and soak that up (laughs) because it was like pure father son energy, man. I mean, you could, you could power, you could I, it was unreal. The, just, just the. It was so cool to stand back and watch that, be a part of that. And I'm like, man, maybe someday. And sure enough, now I've got yeah. a son of my own, and I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, maybe someday, God willing, well, that'll that'll happen. But yeah, it's special. And I'm, you know, I he and I talk about this, you know, when we're on hunts together, or even just he he's been a good kid his whole life, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, no kid's perfect, but he's we've never had any major problems and he's just got a good heart and he's a you know good morals good values all that and and uh so we have a lot of deep conversations and um you know i've told him multiple times that it sometimes i take for granted how fortunate i am that he loves it as much as i do Mm -hmm. because he could easily be 180 degrees from that and just have totally different interests in life and not want to be out with dad busting our butt in the mountains or freezing in a duck blind or right. whatever the thing is. And, and he's always willing to go. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, you know, with this trip that we're taking the up to Canada, that he's willing that he was even, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. I'll film. Cause we were short a camera guy. It is, it's game time. Yep. This time of year, we don't have extra resources available to go film a wingman hunt. And so it's like, well, who's going to film. Right. And We've learned through trial and error that two buddies doubling up on a hunt, trying to film, take turns, it doesn't work. Especially when you're waterfowl It doesn't work. You have to have somebody dedicated to just the filming. Yep. And that doesn't mean that you and I won't be like, hey, let's put a GoPro over here or, you know, let's get this shot. Hey, make sure you get the extra B-roll of this. We're all field producers out there. But to have somebody that's – that's job yep. whose job is to capture footage that's huge and it, yeah and it, he's hunting with a camera basically that's right. his that's his tool in the field and the nice thing is too he's been raised i mean raised around this eastman's publishing but also raised i mean when we don't have anything going on which isn't often but when we don't have right. anything going on we're we're watching you know, old Dan Fitzgerald videos, and we're watching old pheasant duck hunting videos video. that... Uh, I still have my complete set of Duck Commander DVDs. Oh, I used to have them all on VHS, yeah. yep. and now I transform them, and I still have a DVD player. Yep. Unlike Ike Eastman, I still can play <laughs> DVDs. I've got yeah, a, I've I, got a I VHS that set that Chevy Truck and Ducks Unlimited put out in 1988, I think, or 89, and... They're short, like, 28-minute videos, and one of them is on hunting pheasants. 
and of course growing up in north dakota i mean we know what good pheasant hunting is. right and uh and, and it's it's this cheesy old video that i remember watching over and over and over again because it was, at the time we didn't have much at our fingertips either to watch no, and then since like then today. i got i you know i got some software that and thankfully there's still in our house i don't we don't really use it too much but there's a a working functional vhs machine oh my and so we can i've got the cables to hook up from that to the computer and digitize all that stuff so i have all those old videos that you can watch at the drop of a hat i mean i have a vhs that i need to do have you it's it's a gordon eastman vhs Mm. and it's this what it's a fly fishing video he made oh oh, yeah yeah he yeah i know what you're talking about but I have no way to watch it, huh. so I'll give it to you, and we can figure something out. Yeah, that it's easy. A, that's a rabbit trail. Holy smokes, we're not. We're this is a wingmen podcast. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> we could obviously, when you get Brandon and I together in any kind of a situation, we like to laugh. We like to tell lots of stories. We both have a penchant for old things, for nostalgia, and I, I am stoked for this hunt. I think it's going to be a ball. I'm really excited to put all of our partner gear, some of this new stuff. You know, I've got a new jacket from Sitka, the new Jetstream jacket to test. Yep. I've got, you know, we've got federal ammunition to put through the ringer. Actually, Onyx. Renegages. Onyx now has uh, layers for up in Canada. Yes. That we're going to test out for the first time. And I've, like I said, I've been to Canada on other hunts, and I was always wishing I had that information Partially because, you know, I always like, I'm a map geek and I right. like, you know, seeing where I'm at and all that. But I, on every hunt that I've ever gone on, I like to, even if I can't find a paper map, like in Canada, it's sometimes a challenge depending on the province. And I like to have that just as part of my records mm-hmm. from that hunt mm-hmm. so that when I'm an old man, I can look at, look it, back at it and uh, show my grandkids and everything. And well, now some of the hunts that I haven't been able to find paper maps, I can take screenshots on right. the device and save them. And so I've done that, but it didn't really make a whole lot of sense before. There's nothing up there and it was a challenge to get it. So I'm really excited. I just found out about that about through two or three weeks ago. Yeah. It wasn't long ago that they, that we found out that they're adding Canada, Yep. which is, it's, it's super cool for me. I like to be a part of things. I like to get my hands dirty. And so this hunt, yeah, we're going to be hunting bears in the afternoon, but if I have a chance to go help a guide scout right. for the next day or, if you know, whatever, having those provinces, having that, that Onyx information at my fingertips up there on my phone makes it so much easier. And when we were in Oklahoma, we didn't just sit on our thumbs. If we didn't have an evening hunt lined up, we were scouting. Yep. I was out running roads and the outfitter would lay out a block. He'd be like, hey, yeah, there's water here, and, you know, go here and check this. And I'd make the loop, man. We'd be looking at our Onyx going, yep, okay, nothing on that pond. Or, you know, oh, wow, there's a bunch of geese on this one. We're, we're dialed yeah. in. Let's do it. And a tip, too, for anybody that's listening or watching um, on going on these outfitted hunts. I'd never done an outfitted hunt until I started working here. And there's been these, again, these unique opportunities that come up that you just get to take advantage of. And – you want to be respectful of the outfitter and the guide and not step on their toes. But at the same time, I've been like, I'll use that Alberta hunt that I was on before. Um, Dan Picard and I, just because we just feel like we're in hunting camp. I mean, it's not, we don't feel like, well, I paid you, so you better, we're not that type of people. And so we were thinking ahead and helping the guys with stuff and helping process animals yeah, and helping way, going yeah. to get a, you know, a, a case of beer at the grocery store so that when the rest, cause we got done early one day and when the rest of the hunters showed up, the outfitters did not, or the guys didn't have to go do that. And I remember the outfitter coming in to his shop where we we're dealing with all that in, in animal processing. And he went, who, who went and got all this stuff? He, because he was going to commend one of his guides. He said, they did. And he looked at us, he goes, nobody does that right and and so it formed a friendship where it was just supposed to be technically a a little business it's a business transaction right and it's it but you can make it more than that i have i'm not trying to one-up you but i like to relate to people's stories with stories of my own and i did a i did a uh, drop a spike camp elk hunt in colorado with my dad and my brother i don't know man probably eight years ago now nine years ago well we got there and they got, <clears throat> they had some guys knock down some elk, 
the day they were supposed to come out. They killed some elk that morning. So it made them late. So instead of going in the, that day, um, we waited another day and went out the next day. Well, there's nobody around. None of the guides are around. The only person that's around the, is this is the little gal, the kind of like the camp manager gal. Oh. And she's got to help people process, you know, book people in and get all this stuff done. She's got to cook the evening meals. She's got to do all this stuff. And my, we're sitting there with nothing to do. I mean, you can only pitch bags or horseshoes so much, you know, <laughs> and we're we're riding around looking at the countryside and went back and it's about lunchtime. And, you know, she, she's like, you know, I got stuff for sandwiches, but we usually, you know, you guys aren't, there's usually not people here at lunch. It's like, I nah, don't worry about it. She's like, is, I said, is there, is there anything we can do to help? And she goes, can you guys do ribs? Like cook <laughs> ribs. And my brother and I were like, you know, like typical dudes. <laughs> can yeah, I cook ribs? Of course cook ribs. Yeah. We walked outside and I'm like <clears> looking <throat> at what we're cooking on and it's this, I'm like, okay, I guess we're going to make this work. It's basically <laughs> a handmade smokehouse. Just plywood slapped together with rolled refrigerator racks in it and, you know, a bucket, a, st- a, a metal pail underneath for coals. Hmm. And we started those things at, I don't know, like 11 o'clock in the morning. And we cooked them, smoked them like all day long, seasoned them up. And I'm not talking like two, three racks. It was like 10 racks of ribs, hmm. maybe more. And we fed the whole thing and it was the same thing that outfitter walked in that night dead tired from packing elk all day and he's thinking he's still got to cook and all exactly. that stuff how yep. am i gonna feed these guys <laughs> I'm, i can guarantee he's already thinking you know i don't know how i'm gonna feed these guys maybe we'll just go to town and town's an hour away yeah and he comes in and we'd made mashed potatoes we just kind of helped out in the kitchen and he had the same reaction. He's like, you know, wow, who who made the meal? And the little guy was like, they did. We just did it because it was there. We we wanted something to do. We were bored, and we we like to cook. We like to help out. Mm-hmm. I think anytime you can help on a hunt without stepping on toes, like you said, right, right. The, look for those opportunities. If you're gonna go on a hunt, look for those opportunities. You know, be willing to help. Be willing to lend a hand. You it may be welcome. And it may be, nope, we got this. Yep. But at least make the offer. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm just thinking we've been, you know, I know talking for a while, but um, one of the things I love to ask people, and especially in the bird hunting world, is that when the days are off the charts good, it's, you'll remember for the rest of your life. And that doesn't matter if it's, you know, laying in a field and having a a really good field hunt like we did (coughs) on New Year's Eve Mm -hmm. this past year. Um or if it's, you know, on the river, or if it's sitting in a little slough somewhere, right. or if it's pheasant hunting in a CRP field and there's so many pheasants that get up you can't shoot because there's too many hens, and it's a wall of black, basically. Um, what's your, it's one of those word association things, like don't think, best bird hunt. It can be upland, it can be, Waterfowl. Let's stick with those two because turkey is usually solitary type. Yeah, I mean, you can get different. it in flocks, but turkey's I mean, not. Different. But it, when you're talking upland or waterfowl, most memorable hunt as far as sheer numbers, just jaw dropping. Holy crap. This is a day to remember. I was 12 years old, and <clears throat> my dad hauled my sorry carcass into a beaver flooding in the eastern upper peninsula where not far from where we lived and i killed my first second third fourth (laughs) ducks that (laughs) night i think the limit was four at that time and i shot my four mallards i think i shot a black duck that night too if i remember right but at dark right at dark we're standing there shooting lights over and we're kind of getting ready to walk out basically and it sounded like a jet fighter, like a whole squadron of jet fighters came over. And it was a single mass of probably 5,000 mallards, wow. ducks. And they were coming from their feed into that beaver pond to roost for the night. We'd just been shooting the stragglers. And they came back after, you know, after legal shooting, like, which so often happens. As a young man, my really my first duck hunt where I could shoot. I've been on lots of duck hunts with mm-hmm. my dad, but 
that left such an indelible impression in my brain. I can close my eyes and still hear it. <laughs> that was probably, yeah, that's probably number one. There's a lot of yeah, good ones. Yeah, it's hard. To, so many good ones. Well, and when you start thinking about it, well, how about, oh, there's that one and that one. But right. that's why I like doing the whole, like, Word or so, like a psychological exercise. Like there's, there's always one that mm-hmm. somebody says something. Well, what like, about oh. you? What's yours? Um, my, f- the one that I think of all the time. Now I didn't start, even though I was raised in North Dakota. Um, I didn't start waterfowl hunting. I pheasant hunted, grouse hunted, and all that stuff. You know, most of my life. But um, I didn't start waterfowl hunting to college. Okay. And I went to school at University of North Dakota in Grand Forks, and uh, wildlife biology major. So of course. Most of my classmates were all hunting fools, and we just love, um, you know, get out in the field. And, and it was so cool because we're like-minded. We're going for the same career, interested in the same things largely. Everybody else maybe, quote-unquote, specialized in their mm-hmm. favorite thing. But um, they couldn't believe, of course, that I'd never waterfall on it. And, uh, you know, like I said, been on the field, waterfall everywhere in North Dakota all the time. But um, we went out, and this wasn't – I don't think this was my first – it wasn't my first trip, but two of my good friends that I still stay in touch with, um, they, you know, we affect the guys that I mentioned maybe hitting up with in South Dakota. It's these same two guys. Okay. You know, we were in the wildlife biology program there and good friends. One of them and I worked at the North Dakota Game Fish Department for many years together and just been there, done that, <coughs> excuse me, done a lot of things together. Anyway, where it was a pathetic decoy set up really on our part because we didn't have any money we so didn't hardly have anything you know days, man. and yeah you do what you can and we had you know just pretty crappy gear really and this was probably in 99 somewhere in there 98 99 and there's this little this little slew that was sort of connected to another little slew in this crop field and um we didn't really we were, we were set up and we're calling and everything. And then we saw it off in the distance. Uh, we're about an hour west of Grand Forks. So we see uh, kind of a small flock. What looked like we thought a small flock of, of mallards coming our way. We're like, man, they look like they're kind of beelines. Get down, get down, get set up, you know, because we were going to peel out and go home. And they're coming and they're committed hard. And about the time somebody's getting ready to call it, like just wait, 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 wait. There's there's some more behind them. Just wait, wait, wait. Just let them pile in here, and they dump right in front of us in this little slough. I mean, this thing's smaller than most people's garage. It's a sure. little, sure. little body of water with cattails around it, and and then that next wave is coming, and they dump in, and we're about ready to say take them, and wait, 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 wait. There's another group coming, and as far as you could see for I don't know how long, swarms of mallards. And, of course, once the one group committed oh, to coming yeah. in, oh, yeah. they're all coming. And they're all coming on a line. And I don't even have a guess as to how many ducks there were. And it got to a point where we really had no intention of even shooting. It was the most amazing thing we'd ever seen. And we didn't know how all these birds were <coughs> fitting in the water. Wow. They were literally all stuffed in there like sardines. And, I mean, it was like a can of oysters right there. They were right. all just shoved in i don't know how they were landing and we were sitting in the cattails just watching listening and all the noises like you're talking about super overcast day and uh, kind of crappy outside and i mean our jaws were hitting the floor and we finally stood up when we was like it's time to go home and <laughs> there were so many birds i mean we we stood there holding the barrels of our shotguns with the butt of them on our boots had zero intention of shooting after that because it was that dumbfounding what we were watching. And we're like, we didn't say this, but we all had the same thought. Let's just see what happens. Right. This is amazing. And when the three of us are together, which, you know, we're all living in different states and it's hard to get together, but when we're together on a hunt or something, remember that time when we, that all those mallards came in that one little slough? It was, yeah, it was amazing. Oh, that's super cool. Well, I think that's probably a pretty good way to end this because we got 20 hours, 40 hours grand round trip of driving to do. We're going to be trying to record some more content as yep. we go. Um, maybe 
multiple days, maybe like hunt recaps at the end of the day yeah. type deal. I don't know how exactly we're going to do it, but we got a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of stuff to talk about while we're up there. And I am stoked. I'm stoked to be going with you and Hunter. So many times a hunt boils down to who you're with. You know, and if you don't yeah. enjoy the company of who you're with, it can be miserable. Miserable. And I am in for it on this one. I tell you <laughs> what. <but laughs> oh, I'm joking. But Brandon, thank you for jumping on with me today. We've been uh, had a great conversation, and I look forward to a lot more in the coming days. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Hunter and I were just talking about that. I think it was two nights ago. We're like, now that this is really like it's a reality, we're yeah. going. It's a couple days away, and I we both said. <clears throat> I can't think of a better person to be doing this trip with than Todd. No, you're right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Your best quality is your humility. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, cool. I appreciate you saying that, and I feel the exact same way, and this is going to be a lot of fun. Yep. Sounds good.